episode 926 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Tuesday, May 11th. I'm your host, Paul Spohr, joined this morning by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning, sir. Good morning. How you doing? I am well. We have news, and I'm excited about the first part of the news. Uh, and then we're going to talk about some struggling studs. So I'm just excited to talk baseball with you. How are you doing? I'm exhausted. You know what? It's that. I mean, it's that kind of time where you kind of hit that first wall. At least that's where I, what I feel like. That first wall in the season comes in like early May, where it's like, okay, I've been on the fire hydrant for a good six weeks here. I maybe need like just a random night off. That was last night because there were so few games. Yeah, I, uh, I should have done that. that. I mean, that's basically where I was. I, I had the Pittsburgh game on, Pittsburgh uh, Reds game. And then two of the late games uh, were local to me, so they were blacked out, Astros and Rangers. Um, Astros playing the Angels, Rangers playing the Giants. So I had Marlins D-backs on for a little bit, but then when that was off, um, basically just dove into some YouTube videos that I've been collecting and uh, did some did some non-baseball stuff for a little bit last night. And, you know, that, that, that's the that's detox. That's all I really need, just a little night and then uh, right right back at it, so... That's where I'm at. There were only two, four, five games because the sixth was postponed. So it was a night to kind of get away if you wanted to, and then dive right back into it if if you're if you're so uh, so inclined. Yes. You, you need one of those. I yeah. Well, I, I'm 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 looking for when I'm going to take my week of vacation. <laughs> oh yeah, that, that will work coming. too. It, it'll probably yeah. be the All Star break as it always is for me. So, also but. also works well. Also works well. Yeah. I mean, listen, I love the daily grind. So I have. No problem when it's 15, you know, if there's like a makeup game, 16 games, love it. But I did see, uh, I, I looked at the schedule and I was like, I actually hadn't seen until later in the day. I was like, oh, there's only five games tonight after the Rockies postponed. Eh, you know what? Let's let's do a little non-baseball for the evening. So um, still checked out some of the some of the games there. Like Tyler Molly was pitching well. It was against the Pirates. But hey, you got to take on everybody. Mitch Keller. That oh, guy, God. I didn't start him day. in like some of my most important leagues. I didn't start him in Tout. I didn't start him in the main. Um, I did start him in TGFBI because I didn't have any other options. Been there. Uh, so it kind of. I mean, I have Kyle Gibson in that league, so it kind of canceled itself out a little bit. Because uh, he's been absolutely amazing. Well, yeah, like he, he and Alex Wood. You know, really had a nice little uh, fast starter showcase last mm-hmm. night with the two of them just really, really showing how well they're pitching this year. Um, Alex Wood goes seven innings, one run. Gibson goes six innings, one run. They each had a strikeout per inning. They they were awesome. Like, they, they were really, really good. And, uh, I mean, they're, they're kind of all format starts right now. I, I don't know, you know, outside of the standard Coors, uh, which of course Alex Wood would be more inclined to get being in the division. Um, I think they're they're all formats plays right now, aren't they? Both Kyle Gibson and Alex. Wood? Absolutely, and you, you're yeah, just going to ride them both until the wheels fall off. Exactly. I, I feel like Wood is much more likely to have the wheels fall off just because of his health history. But I was going to say only the health would, would be the issue. I mean, but it is a big issue. His health has been a problem throughout his career, and and often derails him if things do go wrong. Um, now, would you treat this as what our, our buddy Nick Pollock would call a Vargas rule? This is related back to a few years ago when Jason Vargas had like eight, nine great starts to start the season. It wasn't just a little handful. It was a legit great start to the season. I think he actually ended up um, still looking pretty good by the end of the year if you were in deeper leagues. But I think, yeah, I think 2017, he wound up with a 416 ERA. But uh, you kind of wrote it until the wheels started to fall off. He had a 2.22 ERA through his first 16 starts. Vargas did, and then he had back-to-back six earned run duds. But then he was pretty good again from that point forward. Oh wait, no, he wasn't. Never mind. <laughs> then the wheels did fall off. If you got off right there, that'd be so hard. But if you did, just going off on this Vargas thing, which is where Nick came up with the name. If you just cut him after those two sixes and said, or even even the first one, but if, let's just say you ate both of them. Then you got a 306 ERA from Vargas in 109 innings. If you just said, you know what, 
thank you, goodbye, then you were really sharp and committed because you missed the 586 ERA that he finished with over his last 14 starts. Um, so that's Jason Vargas 2017. He calls it a Vargas rule. What that usually means is you give, you get, you ride it, you hit that one bad start, and then you jump off. Um, it, they can have a little, little wiggle room of maybe it's like two starts if they're both bad in a row. But how are you treating Vargas, uh, not Vargas, <laughs> Gibson and uh, Wood? Are they Vargas rules? Is it if it's two bad starts? Uh, what is the determining factor where you would either stop starting them or flat out cut them? I think Wood is literally just riding to the wheels fall off. Um, I think. Yeah, I, I would say it would have to be a health issue. For yeah, you, I agree. and so I'm just gonna, you know, as long as there's not a red suitcase next to him or red plus or whatever it is in your uh, suitcases too. Yeah, yeah, until that happens, I'm just gonna kind of let it ride. Uh, I think Gibson is kind of a Vargas rule type guy, but. I don't know that he is going to have that issue. I mean, he pitches in such a nice park. Uh, I mm -hmm. love the pitch mix this year. The slider looks great. I, th I think he's somewhat legitimate. Now, I mean, I did trade him in a league this last week. Oh, oh, uh, what? Wait, wait, wait. And we're going to get right on. I'm going to tell him, dude. Oh. I'm going to tell him that you traded him. Oh, okay. Because I'm the villain all the time with him. <laughs> so he hates me, so he's not even going to take my call. So he I'm just shoved last him. night after he found out. No, he didn't, he didn't know. know there's, you no way that, there's no way that he knew that you traded him before that start because he would he'd be a basket case <laughs> losing his biggest supporter. <laughs> I'm gonna tell him, dude. I'm I'm a narc, dude. I'm nar I'm narking on I'm, this. I'm in a 16 team dynasty league. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. I have been rebuilding for the longest time. Um, like my minor leagues are just amazing right now. Um, and somebody in the league, uh, who is I think trying to compete this year, offered me, uh, Luis Castillo, for. Kyle Gibson, Buster Posey, and Yadier Molina. And I also got a first-round pick. Oh, my goodness. Sure. So, oh, my goodness. Like, I just couldn't stop myself. Man, that... No, nah, I'd have done that, too. Yeah. I, I think I'd have done that, too. Um, that's a really good trade. So he'll understand. I think, I think he'll yeah, understand. No, he, he, he's, you know, he's flying over to Poughkeepsie to go play for the Poughkeepsie plumbers. Um, <laughs> he'll probably find some work there. Poughkeepsie, you know, the plumber, they got plumbers over there. They probably got some gardening work that he can get done, but Cal Gibson, Alex Wood, you know, impromptu discussion. There didn't even mean to discuss them. They've both been great. Um, Gibson, obviously kind of a meme on the, cha uh, on the, uh, uh, on the stream here, or the, geez, the pod, not the stream. I'm an idiot. Um, but yeah, I would hold both. You know, even that first sign of ugliness, maybe if you want to reserve them, but I have a hard time just cutting at the first sign, at, you know, that first bad start. I think you eat that one, you kind of see where it goes from there with both these guys. Don't be, 10 team, a little bit different. If you if you can make a lot, more, a lot quicker moves. I'm talking 12 and above. I think I kind of waited out a little bit with, with Wood and Gibson. Uh, all right, let's get to the big news. Jared Kelnick, he's coming up, baby. He's going to be up on Thursday, and I can't wait. I know you can't because we were both ready to draft him. Yeah, this isn't about back padding about how great we are. This is simply about saying that uh, you know we, we, were ready to, we were ready to draft him. And so you've got, you've got a bunch of shares of him, right? Absolutely. I've got him on six teams. At least six teams. I haven't even checked my other. I'm just thinking NFBC. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think he's a legit 2020 candidate rest of the way. Um, and, I mean, he, he's just murdered AAA pitching to the point where it's like, all right, I know it's been a week, but we're going to let you come up. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think he's going to be very, very good right away. Uh, I think he is probably like 17-17 uh with like a 280 batting average that's 
That's so great. Yeah, and I'm, that's so great. I'm I'm stoked. I cannot wait to see him playing in a Mariners uniform. Uh, it's it's going to be a lot of fun. It's definitely must see TV on Thursday. Yeah, it really is. It really is. Yeah, I mean, he comes up and he's an instant game changer. Uh, that 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 is definitely the upside that we're looking at here, and and the impact that we're trying to see. I mean, he he went down in just his five games and said, "Let me just show out real quick with a 409 average and 1140 OPS, two homers, two steals in 24 plate appearances." Um, I really hope they let him run. I don't see why they wouldn't. I hope he's just kind of turned loose. You know, for me. I look at them just to kind of see, but I have a hard time putting too much credence into the projections when it comes to rookies, just because they're such a wild card, right? I mean, I understand that they have, that they're a nice dose of reality to make sure that you don't get too high on things and, and expect the world, but I'm not going to like, if you look at the projections, you like, you wouldn't start Kelnick. But of course, you have to put them in instantly and see where it's at. So um, I'm really excited about this one. This this one has a chance to be, like I said, a big game changer. And the two of us are um, are ready to get them in the lineup. Hopefully, everybody else at least has a little piece of this. This could be our first uh, giant giant minor league game changer this year in Kelnick. So well, very and, excited and just, for that. He'll be up when Thursday. you look at the projections for rest of the season. Re- remember that it probably hasn't been updated necessarily for like the call up because he's not up yet yes so because they all have him for like 84 95 games which he's going to surpass yeah that's a great call too so even the the counting numbers um i think are are really you know they're light uh 13 homers and between six and nine steals depending on on which one you're looking at uh so yeah you said you have him 17 17 yeah. What kind of average? 280. That'd be so amazing, of course. Um, I think it'd be you'd probably ex- expect lower. Yeah, but, I, I think, but, I think but, batting but average. understand that it can be higher, you know? Yeah. I, like, there's I, upside is what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I think it's hard because, like, I want to play it more conservative because that's mm-hmm. the way you should play with projections. But it you look at the profile and you go, Oh man, I, I honestly think he could be 2020 rest of the way. Yeah. And on some level, it doesn't matter what they say because you're putting him in right now anyway with Kelnick and you're setting it and forgetting it for at least a few weeks. And then if things were to go wrong and he was, you know, not performing well and his playing time started to get cut, we could revisit it. But at this point he's in all formats must start unquestioned. Doesn't matter. Um, I mean, maybe if you play like eight team with three outfielder, I'm not crapping on you. I'm just saying if it's a super shallow, that's different, but he still has to be on a roster just because he could be a game changer for all formats. Uh, very excited about Jared Kelnick. Now let's talk bad news. A uh, couple injuries, but then we got some guys returning. So we're only going to do a little bad news here, get into some returning guys, and then go with the struggling stud pitchers, which is all bad news. Uh, Jacob DeGrom going to the IL. They thought that we might avoid this. Turns out we're not. Um, obvious cut, I would say, in most leagues. Yeah. Because yeah, cut, cut like, you can't wait this out. No. I mean, it seems like it's going to be somewhat of a minimum stay. So oh, I, I'm not waiting for that. No, I, I actually, I heard to say, even though it kind of came out after lineup, can I cut him? Can, can you go back? Yeah, and cut I him wouldn't even me? put him That's on what the I'm IL. I said, yeah, just, just, can you go back yeah. and cut him for me? And even though it's a little, little rough to do this, like make special exemptions for people, he did, he did hook it up. <laughs> <laughs> now, obviously, this kind of uh, stinks, but I will say. Pretty much, if you listen to this anytime before games start tonight, you should still be able to make the move if you if you didn't, um, because unless your lineup, unless your league locks the entire lineup, so few teams played yesterday, including the Mets, that you should be able to find a a replacement if if, if you got one. Unless you're a complete dumbass where the only pitcher on your on your reserve is Tony Gonsolin, and so you have a bunch of hitters, um, then you might not be able to make a move. I don't know anybody like that, but I'm just I'm I'm making up a scenario that is probably super likely i'm imagining a lot of people are dealing with this but you got like a really good team you're like a really good fantasy player and really good looking but you happen to have 
only Tony Gonsolin for your reserve pitchers, uh, and then a bunch of dweeb ass hitters uh, because you 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 messed up your fab. Um, you know that could happen. That uh, that could happen to like a really good looking, very cool guy or gal. I don't know. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. But otherwise, you should be able to get Degrom out of your lineup. And I don't think it's going to be a long time. I know we've been telling a lot of jokes here. It does seem like it's pretty short, and it shouldn't be too bad. It is a bummer though to miss any starts for him because he's been a god yet again. Yeah, I, I mean, it's clear to me that they just brought him back too quickly. Um, so that I mean, you know, and the, with these side injuries, this is what tends to happen, mm-hmm. right? Guys, if they work themselves back too quickly. Uh, they end up re-injuring it, and it doesn't seem serious. The MRI came back clean, so uh, I think he'll probably be back in 10 days to two weeks and, and continue to just be the best pitcher in baseball yep. like he has been. Yep, I think just getting just getting right uh, with some time off, and then hopefully he comes back and just, I mean, he has a .68 ERA. Like, stop. And he's 3-2. and two. It makes no sense. It really is. Yeah, it's, the it's Mets are just, just insane how much they don't score for him. For him, it, it's getting to a point where I think he might be a piece of garbage, and they just really don't like. Him. They're jealous of his hair. Oh, I mean, he doesn't even have it long anymore, and they're still jealous because they know what he can do with it. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. don't freak out too much about that again. I know it's a bummer, but it's all right. We talked all all off season about how how few guys are going to go two hundred plus innings anyway. He's still going to have an opportunity to lead the league in innings uh, because I don't think there are going to be many guys. Like some of the guys that we talked about with good opportunities to do that are uh, are going to be on this this struggling studs list that we have. So, you know, they might go 200 innings, but do you want all 200 of them? So don't worry about DeGrom too much. CJ Crone going to the IL. This one's kind of a bummer because he'd really started to get started to get going as a lower back strain. And of course, anytime you lose somebody from Coors, it's a bummer too. Uh, but like I said, you know, he... Out of the gate, not too strong. Uh, hopefully you didn't panic. Shar did panic and freaked out when Crone uh, got off to a bad start. She, so she's mad because she cut him in her two leagues. Uh, but he's he's right on track of what we were expecting. 290, 394, 495 with five homers. He's been excellent. When you consider, when you consider that uh, you know he was hitting sub 200 through his first 16 games, it tells you how good he's been over the last uh, 13, 415 Batting average 5'10", 707 with four of his five homers. So Crone's been excellent. He's going to go with the lower back strain. Backs are scary. It's a little bit. This I'm a, I'm a little nervous on this one. Back for you know a thirty something can be tough. Um, are you keeping Crone in tens and twelves if you're starting to pile up some injuries? I, you know it's very easy to envision a lot of people already having guys that they drafted ahead of Crone on their IL spots. So do you keep Crone if you don't have an IL spot and it's just a reserve spot? I mean, unless I'm in like the direst of circumstances, I'm, I'm keeping Crone. I, I understand like back issues are scary, especially for a guy who isn't in his twenties anymore. That being said, like they didn't put him right on the IL on Friday when this happened, they waited through the weekend to try to see if he would be able to kind of get better and play uh, he wasn't able to, so they're, they're just, you know, doing it retroactive back. So I think it seems like it's going to be kind of a short-term thing. Uh, he just, I mean, he's been so good uh, this season, you know, in spite of the, that, you know, that start. I mean, he's hitting 290. That, that, like it's, that's why you have to be careful even with 16 games calling it like, oh, he's a bad start. Mm-hmm. Like, I get it. it. It was a bad start, but he completely flipped it um, in – in the same amount of games that he was struggling with Crone. I, th- I think I'm with you. I think you should kind of make him a priority. Now everyone's situation is different. And, you know, I, yeah. I saw, you don't want to take zeros yes. because yes. you're start because you're keeping CJ Cron. Like I am in tout wars yeah. because 30 minutes before he went on the IL, I traded away my other first That's base. Rough, dude. That part stinks. It's one thing that it's my bad. Up. Like well, I just, I mean, you know, I don't know. That's 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 a bummer, though. I I guess you have to look at that. But um, he was on the IL before that happened, or it happened right after the trade. It had thirty, 30 minutes, minutes after, after the trade. Okay. Yeah, that that stinks. Yeah. That, well, first baseman, did you trade? It, it... I traded uh, okay. Nate Lowe, who's been awesome, by the way. Um, I know you you yeah. liked him. You had a few different shares of him, so you moved on from one. But yeah, prioritize Crone um, to the best of your ability. 
I, w- I would be looking to make sure that I keep him barring something crazy. Um, and maybe, maybe you're one of those folks that had Crone set up to be your corner, uh, but he had to go play first base because you lost Luke Voigt. Well, he's going to be returning from the IL. So this is big news. Uh, our standard advice for shallow leaguers, just go check. He should not be on any wires, but you never know. Just do your due diligence to see in case somebody ran into a situation where they were overloaded. I mean, Voight is not some superstar name that is impossible to see on a wire. It's not going to happen in very many leagues, but just make sure. Okay, he's 95% at ESPN, so maybe you're in one of the 5% of the leagues. Uh, Probably not. Get him right back in your lineup immediately. Yeah, I think you put him right back in. I mean, they're going to be looking for some added mm-hmm. pop uh, with Urshela kind of banged yeah, up right now. So I think Urshela went on the IL. Or just day-to-day still? No, he's oh, okay, still okay. day-to-day. Pardon me, pardon me. Because um, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. stuck with him in feelings as well, where I'm really injured. Um, yeah, so I, I think, yeah, he's, I mean, he led. The majors and home runs. Yeah, last I year. love Luke Voigt. So, um, uh, just to give you an idea, I mean, he got five games in a rehab, 389, 476 with a 1,000 slug. He popped three homers and two doubles. That's that good. <laughs> three homers and two doubles among his seven hits. He had fewer singles yeah, than extra base hits. Decent. Like, yeah, he, he, he showed that he's ready to go. So, I'm putting him in immediately. Anywhere that I have Luke Voigt, that's big news there. Uh, These two are going to take a little bit longer, but we got a couple pitchers on a rehab assignment now in Framber Valdez and Noah Syndergaard. Now, Valdez is obviously returning from that finger, or he's nearing his, pardon me. They're both nearing them. They have not started them. Uh, But Valdez is recovering from his finger issue, and it's looking like he should be able to join the team maybe in... June, early June, and then Syndergaard probably the same. Um, obviously both are, are potential game changers. And I wonder, uh, you got Valdez on the cheap in some leagues cause you'd already drafted him at his mm-hmm. high price in some others, right? So you have a lot yeah, of Valdez. Yeah, have I, you been I, able to hold on to all of them? Okay. I have, uh, and it, it's been difficult, especially in TGFBI, but I drafted him in the 26th round. It was, uh, you know. Such a good yeah. value, hard to give him up. But yeah, I've got Valdez in six leagues, uh, or league six of my twenty NFBC leagues. Uh, so I'm yeah, I've been holding on. Thankfully, a lot of them were early drafts uh, prior to the injury, and so they're draft mm-hmm. champions. Uh, so I didn't have to worry about like dropping them. But a couple, uh, or it looks about half of them are actually Fab League. So I, I held on the best I could, and uh, I'm hopefully he's going to be back. I'm. You, you said you, you said know, off this, air before we started. You believe it when you see it, right? Because it's not. Yeah. Not, and, neither guy, neither Valdez nor Thor, is on it. But they're talking about getting sent out on their rehab this week. I'm less worried about Thor than I am about Framber, just because there is a whole like track that he follows, mm-hmm. right? With his yeah. rehab coming back. You're talking about teaching, Thor, right? Yeah. So like we know kind of what to expect. Exactly. With like that. Whereas wide open. Framber was supposed to miss the whole season and then, Hey, well, no, he's actually doing better. He could be back. And so like, and it's one of those things where, uh, will the Astros, I don't think the Astros are going to rush it. With Nor him. should so, they, right? Like be smart. Yeah. So once he's on the rehab assignment, I'll feel better. And obviously we'll monitor things as he pitches, uh, in the minor leagues on that rehab assignment. But there is part of me that's very cautiously optimistic that he's going to be back here probably mm-hmm. yeah I, I that's kind of where i'm at with it too with regards to valdez and i agree that they don't need to you know put pedal to the metal there they're 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 fine they're kind of hanging in they're not leading the division but they're certainly in a good spot that uh, if they can finagle a little bit more and piece it together to where they're getting odorizzi and valdez back here that division is going to be a dog it, it, fight. it really is and you have to wonder if if Kelnick can can keep Seattle in the mix um, because you know they're they're not too bad without him like they they're a game under or the game over five hundred and that's with their offense really being led by like a couple guys like it's it's Hanniger Seeger France and that's it um, so if Evan White Dylan Moore get going 
while Kelnick comes up, they start to turn the offense around. The pitching's been pretty solid. I think they can actually be in this mix along with Houston and Oakland, the teams that we expect. And I'm still not out on the Angels. And part of that is just the 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 superstar talent that they have, one of which is on the IL and Rendon. But obviously Trout and Otani. Um, I love what Jared Walsh is doing. And they've had they've had some good pitching, but it's been, it's been too much of a mix. They need they they need a couple of their guys to start pitching to their skills, though. Bundy um, and Heaney and Canning, really, they're all displaying better skills than they are results right now. And if they can get that on track, I think they can still make a run. I do worry about their bullpen there, but you're right. That's going to be a crazy division. Uh, the Astros are sitting nice. They'll get Odorizzi back, I think, before Valdez. But it won't be too much before, and then they really they really change their rotation there by adding those two. Plus, they're so lefty light that getting Valdez back will just be such a huge boon as far as finally somebody who throws left-handed. I don't even think they have a lefty reliever of note. Brooks Raley is like the only one. Uh, Kent Emanuel is not great. He's not great. So uh, Brooks Raley in his 836 ERA. In response to your Angels need to start pitching – to their metrics. Uh, Andrew Heaney has a 2.28 ERA if you take out his first start. There you go. And that's why you look at the game logs. So he's been pitching very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, Bundy, who is um, who, who didn't make the list of struggling studs despite a 5.03 ERA, because if you look under the hood, everything's fine. It's Yeah, we talked about him last night in the Friends of Fantasy Benefits podcast, uh, and all three of us, me, Mike Warner, and Dave McDonald, uh, said that, yeah, we, we have no worries. So, like, he was one of the few guys on that list where you're like, no worries whatsoever. He, as long as he's healthy, yeah, he's like a, a blow up inning against the Dodgers, his last start added a run to his ERA. He went from four to 503 with that start alone. So, like, you just look under the hood, there's nothing to really worry about with him. They really can make a run. I know part of it is a little bit wish casting because, as we've talked about before, we're like de facto Angels fans just because we want Trout in the playoffs. But I really do believe that there's enough talent here. The offense has been pretty strong uh, with with the core that they have. If they get kind of if they get some David Fletcher and Jose Iglesias going a little bit, they're, they're hitting for some average. But their OBPs are both under 300. Need to fix that. And this pitching gets to its level. I, I think they'll make they'll they'll make a run as well. Uh, but with Thor recovering from TJ, what are your expectations of him? He, again, expected to go out on this rehab. It'll be a little bit of a longer one because that's just kind of the normal trajectory of Tommy John. Are, are you expecting him to be an impact player in fantasy this year with, with Noah Syndergaard? I am. Uh, I mean, I don't know if he's going to be the uh, the Thor that we're used to necessarily. I mean, control can be uh, an issue for guys coming back from Tommy John, uh, and he can struggle with that. So... But I do, I mean, I th- he's going to get strikeouts, I think. And, I th- you know, he pitches in a great park that offense should get mm-hmm. going at some point. So I think there's plenty of win opportunities because they just don't score runs when, uh, DeGrom. when DeGrom's <laughs> <Yeah>. on the mound. <laughs> so it should be fine for Syndergaard. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, this is interesting because he was, he was going way below sale was, especially early in draft mm-hmm. season. Uh, and I think, yeah, I think he's probably going to be back sometime, I don't know, like late yeah, June-ish. Yeah, mid-June and, at the earliest. Uh, and I think he's going to be pretty good. And so with all the injuries that are out there uh, this year, uh, you definitely want to check your waiver wire. Oh, for, yeah. For yeah. Thor. The people that drafted Sale, because... Severino, and Thor, if they've been able to hold on, man, they've they've been very fortunate. Just, just in general, to draft somebody that injured off rip, uh, I, I think very difficult. And 75% uh, at ESPN. So a lot of ESPN's shallower leagues. Um, just check. Just make sure. And if you can, if you have the luxury to, to carry Thor for probably at least, I'd say like another month, um, at least. I think I think mid June is probably the earliest that we would get. But it could be high impact. The tough part with the with the TJ returners is that. They can have like four great starts in one dud. The dud can erase everything from the four good. And you don't always know when it's coming. It can be a bad one against the Tigers because the command goes. Because that's the thing. The command is very much in and out 
when during the recovery that matchups almost don't matter um, because if if you just don't have it that day, uh, you, you're not gonna you're not gonna succeed. And it, it's just kind of the way that the TJ goes because um, go through and look at the guys who've come back from TJ that year. They'll, they'll put together some good starts, but there'll always be a few duds sprinkled in there as they're kind of figuring things back. And uh, that's the scary part. But I think you have to have Thor. You have to have him on a roster in every league, especially now that we have a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel here with Syndergaard. All right, let's talk some struggling stud pitchers and what we're doing with them. We have to start with the obvious, Luis Castillo. Nick and I are going to do a full fireside this week. Uh, we're going to go back to where it all started and and break down what's going on with Castillo. But I think you and I should have some discussion around him as well because it's been really, really rough. I think at this point, it seems clear that regardless of, of where we're at, he's a slow starter because we, we've gone through this a few times. And if you go look, April is his worst month by ERA. Um, and, and really you look at the whole first half, April, May, June, those are, those are his worst months. August, a little bumpy in there in terms of his composite ERA, but his skills are still very good. It's actually been two good Augusts and two bad, uh, which, so by and large, he's still pretty good in the second half. You go first half, second half, it's 413 ERA, first half, 356 in the second half. So we know he's a slow starter, but what are we seeing so far this year with Castillo? Is it enough to just chalk it up to the slow starter aspect of it? Or do you have some genuine concerns that maybe he's not going to get back to the levels that are expected of Castillo? I mean, there are some concerns. Now, with Votto out for a month, they get to move Eugenio Suarez back to third. That's good. Uh, the defense becomes marketably yes. better. Uh, so, because they're moving Mistakis over to first. Uh, so, I think that will definitely help the changeup has been a problem, which is not what we're used to with Castillo. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things I just kind of thought about in the middle of the podcast last night, and I don't know if there's any way to quantify this or not. I doubt there is. You know, with a lot of these guys who are struggling early in the season, I wonder how much effect had uh, the 2020 season is having on pitchers from a they didn't have to pitch in cold weather last year yeah, standpoint that's true and again this is a guy who doesn't seem to flourish in the early part of the season and so he avoided that aspect of it um and and didn't have to dial up in cold weather and now here he is again struggling at the beginning of a season with castillo change up is a field pitch it's also a different ball you know and so there's a lot of a lot of factors going on. Velo is down about a t tick and a half as well. From not, it's been going up and down per start. Okay, okay, it's it's pretty volatile. Well, plus it had spiked uh, a point last year as well. So the 96 one is actually more in line with his career. Um, it's it's down from last year 97.5, but that was that was kind of a spike on its own as well. And we saw some guys kind of unloading last year too. So maybe he was one that did that. So I'm less concerned about that and more concerned about the changeup. Like you're saying, he's allowing too many homers. The hits are through the roof. You know, there's all the indications of some bad luck here too, but I can't just write it off to that. He's contributing to it by having a terrible changeup. So you can expect some things to regress as he figures it out, but I don't know that you can just hand wave all of it uh, with, with Castillo either. It's, it's, that, it's that mix of, I have some concern, but what exactly am I going to do about it? Nothing. To the point where I wouldn't have even sat him for this weekend against Colorado, to be honest. But that's just kind of where I am when it comes to studs. Even early on, I'll take a shot even with a 642 ERA Castillo in Coors because the thing of it is if he, if he goes off there, which he can, it is possible, I'll just be kicking myself. I, and I know that if he gets blasted, that hurts too, but... I don't know, man. Maybe I'm just an idiot, but I, I know. Uh, and I, I, I laughed because I heard Scott Jensen say something similar, and I was like, yep. I was nodding along the whole way. I was like, yep, that's me. Way too stubborn to sit him. And so if he gets pummeled, whatever. But if I'd missed it, – it, the, the chance of missing a great start 
just because I was afraid of the venue from for my ace is enough for me to make what might be just a bad decision. All right, would you start Castillo in Colorado this weekend? I mean, I'm starting him in the league I just acquired him in, but that's mo- mostly because, uh, one, I have to get to a certain innings limit so that way I don't get ding draft uh, yeah. slots. Uh, and two, I'm trying to finish in oh, last. Okay. So you're tanking. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm okay. rebuilding. Okay. Of course I'm tanking. So, um, uh, as my league mates <laughs> listen and yell at me. Uh, but yeah, I don't, I mean, obviously I think it's kind of team by team sure. dependent. Like where, where, like how, what are your other options? Um, obviously if you drafted Castillo in the second or third round, <laughs> you, uh, you're probably not doing real well in the pitching department already. I would likely try to sit this one out, but. Like, I'm not going to start Patrick Corbin over him. I'm not going to start, uh, you know, a crappy pitcher over him necessarily. But if, if I have some good options, uh, I would probably I'd probably roll them out. I'd, I'd probably roll the better options out there. Yeah, and there'll, there'll be situations where folks have, like, solid options, and it's an easy move for them, but... I think it's harder in a deeper league where you're likely, you're unlikely to have... Very good exactly. options. And in, in your 10 and 12s, you should have enough depth. Unless you're just, unless you have a rotation of Luis Castillo and Kyle Hendricks. <laughs> you have and all Patrick these guys Corbin. we're going to talk about. I have a league like that oh, where no. it's like, uh, oh no, it's my TGFBI league where it's like, all right, well, I guess I'm just rolling with a five ERA yeah. for a little while. Yeah, you, know? you, you just got to ride um, it out and kind of see where it comes. Like, it, it's just. It is still very early, and I think we still have to remember that. And it's it's worth sometimes just kind of sitting back and understanding it's still very early. Um, doesn't mean don't pan- – I shouldn't say – don't panic. I, I do think you shouldn't panic. But it doesn't mean don't do anything and just sit on your hands. Be proactive. Make moves. But I will say this. If Castillo winds up the season – uh, his composite ERA is like a 380. I won't be surprised at all. Like so, anything sub four, I won't be surprised. In, in fact, I, yeah, I kind of I'm, expect it. Yeah, I do too. I'm, I'm like, obviously you've eaten a lot of really bad numbers early on, but we have to remember this isn't the 60 game season. There's plenty of time for him to get mm-hmm. right as things warm up. I, I feel like he's going to have better command of his pitches. Uh, and so I'm, I'm not super, super worried uh, about it. And I'm pretty sure I, I talked to Alex yesterday and he talked a little bit about it uh, on the TGFBI podcast. Uh, and so I'm pretty sure Nick is in line cause he quoted yeah, Nick. I, I, so I'll be interested to hear what he has to say in full when you guys do do the fight. Yeah, we're going to break it down in detail. Uh, talk some more about some of the particular struggles and, and where we see it coming up. But I, I you know, not to spoil it, but I, I just don't think either of us are going to be gravely concerned to where we're cutting him. Um, let's talk Kyle Hendricks. You know, for years, uh, he's been underrated because it feels like it's it, the margins are so thin. By the way, people who have been against him, you don't get to claim that you were right after like five years. This is like the people who want to say that they were right about Chris <laughs> Sale being an injury risk. You know, seven years in, I don't think you can go like <laughs> – I freaking knew that was coming um, because I yeah, told you I, I've been trying to warn you now ignore the 1047 innings yeah. of a 312 ERA but I told you Kyle Hendricks was garbage no yeah, ignore all the fantasy trophies on your <laughs> shelf I was right exactly like Hendricks. it doesn't work like that but we are seeing some of the concerns that maybe his his detractors have thought were more prevalent than than they were previously um are they are they right for this year or is he also just struggling a bit and it's easier to freak out about him because his fastball is 86 miles an hour um, and otherwise you should just be calm with him and he's going to find his level. Where do you come out on Kyle Hendricks in his slow start? This is a bit concerning um, just because like we've talked about with guys like Hendricks and Plesak. Uh, you know, guys who just rely on very good control and command in order to avoid, you know, making mistakes with bad fastballs or, or Kyle Hendricks's case, slow <laughs> fastballs. Uh, 
that things can go wrong in a hurry when you don't have that. And he clearly doesn't have it to start the season. Now, he's another guy who has a career 478 ERA in March, April. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Well, so, he has, you know, he's like a multi changeup guy. It's a field mm-hmm. pitch. Pitchers in. And he's had almost all of his starts. I say pitchers at home. in Chicago, the Midwest. The other one was in Atlanta. He did get walloped there, mm-hmm. but that's also a quality team. Um, yeah. You know. The interesting thing about Hendricks, too, is you, if you game log him, it's literally an every other one thing. Three earned yeah. runs in his debut, only three innings, so that was actually a bad start. Zero earned, seven. Two, seven. One, four. It was six runs, four of them earned in five innings. So that was against Pittsburgh, too. That sucked because, you know, he'd, he'd been great against the Dodgers. <laughs> you pulled him out of yeah. your lineup against the Dodgers, and I'm like, well, he's got to be back, putting exactly. it back like, in. That's the frustrating oh. thing is you can envision a lot of teams, especially in shallower leagues, that missed the Dodgers start because the – Manager was trying to, you know, avoid a landmine there after a seven and run outing at Atlanta. I don't want him against the Dodgers. They missed the gem. I'll bring him back for this loser Pittsburgh team. He gets he gets punched like that is frustrating with regards to Kyle Hendricks. So the homers are through the roof. The hits are through the roof. Um, but his strikeouts and walks are not off that far from from normal. Six percent walk rate. He's a five point four percent career. Eighteen percent K rate. Twenty one percent career. It's really not that far. 623 ERA, 445 Sierra. If Kyle Hendricks starts to hit wires, would you scoop him? Yes. Pretty easily, right? Yeah, I don't think it's uh I don't think that is a difficult decision to make. I mean, this is this is a guy who is a fifth, sixth round pick in in a lot of leagues. Uh and I mean, he's just been so extremely solid. I would be so surprised if he's just fallen yeah. off the map here. Yeah. Uh, you know, at the age of 31. Surprisingly, he's yeah, only 31. Yeah, well, because he feels like an old man. It feels like he started his career at age 35 uh, just because he pitches so so slowly. But yeah, you know, and to the credit of the, the uh, shallow league folks, like ESPN leagues are generally shallower, 83% rostered. Like, that's still pretty high. I understand maybe a few people might have moved on, but uh, for the most part, I, th- I think it should still be higher than that. But it, I expected it to be lower, to be honest. I thought maybe it'd be something in the 60s with a lot of people panicking. But he has a, such a good track record that it's really, really hard to get away from. He does have the most hits allowed in baseball and the most home runs as well uh, and the most earned runs in the National League. I don't believe he'll lead, quote unquote, lead the league in any of those categories. By the season's end, I'm not particularly concerned with Hendricks. I think at the very least, you get a low fours the rest of the way, but very likely you get a mid to low threes the rest of the way with Hendricks. All right, so two two down. We're not we're not too worried about. What about Herman Marquez? Now, the tough part about him from the jump is that you're almost drafting a half pitcher, and then you you know because you don't really want to start him in Coors very often, and then you get into the fact that he is walking the yard, and that's something that he's never had an issue with. He currently leads baseball in total walks. He has a 13% walk rate. Uh, that's 24 walks in his 39 and the third innings. And it's led to, he's tied for uh, 24 earned runs. He's tied with Kyle Hendricks for the most in the National League. It's been bad. And you can't just blame it all on Coors because Coors doesn't necessarily make you walk, guys. I mean, I understand why you might be afraid to pitch to somebody in, in course, but he has not been a walks guy. His career is uh, 7% for Marquez. So what's going on here with Marquez? Is he somebody that you're that you're moving off from, or are you just looking at the two-thirds of an inning eight and run outing against the Giants and saying that's doing a lot of the, the heavy lifting there? Like, do, you, do you panic about the walk rate, or do you do you look at the game log and say, well, this this one start is doing – so much of it that I uh, that I'm going to keep starting Marquez. Yeah, I think. I mean, here's the thing. One of the reasons I don't like drafting Rockies pitchers is if they, they need to be lead on the road to make up for what they're going exactly. to do at home, right? They have no wiggle room on the road. And he just, you know, and, and I'm, you know, it's weird for me to say, but the Giants have been really good. <laughs> Dude, they're owning his life, by the way. Two of his three road starts yes. are against them, and he's pummeled, and they've pummeled him both times. 
Yeah, and I mean, they are a team that's very patient. They're fourth in the majors in walks uh, or in walk percentage this year. So uh, I think he's going to end up being fine. What does fine uh, look like, though? I mean, kind of just the guy he has been, which is like, a, well, I'd say probably like a low fours ERA strikeout okay. an inning. Uh, you know, 125 whip type thing. Um, but it's, as usual with a guy like Marquez, is it's going to be hard to figure out when to start yes. him, right? Because, uh, he, you know, you don't want to start him at home. I think his next two starts are at home. Uh, and so it's hard to roster a guy like that, especially when everybody's dealing with so many injuries mm-hmm. this year. And so, like, I don't have a problem with people cutting him. I would try to avoid it because I do think the talent can be elite when he's outside of course. Um, I'm just, yeah, I just, this is why I don't like to draft a guy like Marquez outside of yeah, basketball leagues. Let the best ball format figure I, it out. I, for I me. totally agree with that. That is a league format where I wouldn't mind drafting him, but otherwise, I just, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. It's 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 too frustrating. You know, you're gonna sit him for some home starts that he's gonna do well in, but you're you're trying to be smart and play play the numbers. Um, and now he's not doing well in his road starts for you. Like it's it's just it's rough. And you know he can miss bats. Uh, he certainly has that capability. His swing strike rate still completely on track and all that. The fact that there's all these walks though is a bit concerning because it's so uncharacteristic of Marquez that I am a little bit worried on that. Um, and I, I agree that I think there are some scenarios where cutting him makes sense. Tens and twelves for sure. Fifteens, uh, I get it. I, I, w- I would get it. I think there's still some scenarios in fifteens where you can cut Marquez. I agree. I would try to avoid it because you, you made an investment. You, you had some expectation, um, but you can't get that investment back. Like, like the, the, you know, where you drafted him. I, I vacillate between like it's irrelevant and it still matters. I still lean more that it's absolutely still matters, especially at this point. And I always kind of, you know, use the loose shorthand that, uh, that Corey shorts and Mike Siano used to talk about, about how, you know, the season's 26 weeks, you have 24 players on your roster and you kind of work backwards from there. The first couple of weeks, you're not really, you're just dropping the back end of your roster for quite a while you're 15 weeks in then all of a sudden somebody who you drafted in like the the 12th 13th round now you can maybe start to cut them and obviously it's not a hard and fast rule but you kind of work back like that and Marquez is nowhere near being on the chopping block to when you use that metric but he is also an interesting circumstance where he plays in the worst park for what he does which is pitch and he has a major skill change right now for the negative with the walks so bottom line long-winded but i'm very open to cutting marquez just because it's been so bad and the walks are a bit scary so this is an interesting situation for you and i because the one league we're in together uh, i feel like it's going to be fabapalooza a little bit uh uh because both Syndergaard, who we've talked about and marquez are available as well as fromber uh, and Carlos Carrasco, Brandon Nimmo, Austin Nola, Jesus Lazardo, Wilson yeah. Ramos. Uh, I wish Ian I hadn't spent Hap, so much effort in that. Also, yeah. How yeah. much? I mean, how much do you have? Um, Actually, hang on, I'm on the side. I can see. I, I have four. Yeah, I have four ninety-seven. That's the thing, and like a lot of people have spent. There's only two teams with more than seven hundred. Actually, I don't know where people are, should be at right now. But there's only two teams with more than 700. There are one, two, three, four, five, six. Half the league under 500. Three of those under 350. So Mm -hmm. it is going to be a fabapalooza with these guys. But it might be a bit muted because of the money that people are spending. This is is going to be a really interesting league, this beat Colin Weatherwax one. Mm Mm-hmm. So, who would you rather have? Do you rather have Syndergaard oh, or or Marquez? You know how I feel about TJ Returners. Uh, it's that I it's, it's going to be that similar volatility that I think we're going to see from Marquez. But I think you can at least plan for Marquez's a bit more with the home versus road. I think I would lean Marquez. 
Yeah, and especially because I think Syndergaard's probably still yeah, more exactly. Fun. And I, like I adore Thor, but I'm just I'm not I'm not in for this year. If if Thor was starting next week, I would say then Thor. it then it becomes a, a much tighter question. I agree with you there. Mm-hmm. Um, do you Valdez being far out? Do you put him in the same boat there between he and Marquez? Valdez and Marquez. Okay, I so do. same thing there. Um, and then how far out is Carrasco? He's out for a while though, right? He's out until the end of the month, at least, because they moved That's him right. from the That's 10 right. day IL to the 60. Okay, so yeah, that is going to be some interesting bidding. And like I said, the league's already spent a ton of money, and there's a lot of interesting names out there. That, that this is exactly what we're talking about with regards to this the injuries piling up and decisions having to be made in a 12 team league. Um, mm-hmm. All right, let's move on to Patrick Corbin, who you know. I know, I know. Yes, we do, because <laughs> this is carryover now from last year when he struggled, mm-hmm. and a lot of us thought he was going to rebound. He also is tied with Marquez and Hendricks for those 24 earned runs, lead, quote-unquote, leading the National League. He's got uh, 736 ERA, 154 whip. Strikeouts are way down, walks are way up, homers are through the roof. There's nothing good here. that I, I don't see anything to latch on to. So these are the toughest ones to just kind of say my regression is going to come. Because even last year, the skills were still there. It was the BABIP was through the roof and the homers had jumped up a bit. But you could you could squint and be like, oh, well, you know, got a 417 FIP, 442 Sierra. Neither of those are really saying awesomeness. But you're like, okay, he's not the worst guy in the world here. I could see a rebound. His velo is actually back up too. He's, he's added a tick back to 91. It has not mattered, Justin, <laughs> because everything else is a nightmare. Fifteen percent strikeout, eleven percent walk. I I have I have concerns here that go well beyond. Hey, these are a few bad starts. I'm not sure. I'm not sure there's a format that I'm definitely keeping him in right now. Well, NL only, NL only. Um, but any mixed league format, I think he's an he's open to being cut. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is one which is 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 really painful for me. I've got him in ten leagues, um, and so like, I mean, this is like, he, he's the type of guy where it's like, oh, I'd be in first place in a few leagues if I hadn't drafted Patrick Corbin. <laughs> like, yeah, it, it, it's it's that kind of change right now where his twenty nine innings can mm-hmm. completely have impacted your stats enough uh, to to say that you know I'd go from sixth to first without him with just with nobody with zeros I'd be better off. Um, 15 team is probably the hardest one to cut. I think 10 and 12s, I don't even really have, I don't really, I don't even really have to be pinched up that much on my roster to make that cut, um, right now. But what, or maybe you disagree on that, but I think 15s are the biggest discussion point right now with Corbin. Yeah, I'm holding him. I just... I mean, unless there's an injury, I don't. That's what I was going to ask. Think you, he's going to be this bad, and that's the hard part. Is I mean, this is a guy who has had Tommy John in the past. He's dealt with injuries. Uh, you know, the amount of sliders he throws can tend to lead to sure. arm issues. But he—they've let him go deep in his last two starts, so it's not like I mean, he went seven innings against Miami and six innings. Uh, it's actually, at pretty New good. Both of those, despite. You know, the New yeah. York one, the Yankees one being three solo shots and he had four walks against Miami. So he had a little he had a little blip in both, but they ended up both being good starts. He has a three forty six ERA in those thirteen innings, but only six strikeouts, four walks, four homers. So it's hard to it's hard to feel super confident, even though the surface results were nice for Corbin in those last mm-hmm. two. Yeah, I'm I wonder if this is sequencing. Uh, I mean, obviously, some of it is missing his spots in the, sure. in the zone. Like he's he's obviously you know, and that's what's leading to the home runs. I also think that he's sequencing poorly, and I think this may be something that works itself out uh, as the season goes on. I, I'm being stubborn, and I get it. You know, one of the things we talked we talked about him last night because uh, our whole on the Friends of Fantasy Benefits podcast because uh, all we talked about was. Uh, struggling starters, and he was obviously near the top of that list. Uh, and I said, I- I'm 
I'm being stubborn right now, and I totally understand if other people don't want to yeah, be stubborn. Yeah, I, I think it is one um, of those things where you can kind of make the choice to dig in if you want. And and I get it. Mm-hmm. I, I, like, I really do because he has a track record of quality that you can lean on and say, listen, I want, I want to – I want to stick to my guns here. Let me ask you this though: Are you starting everywhere then? If you're not cutting, that's 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 fine. I, again, I think ten teams kind of an easy cut. Um, no, I'm I, yeah. I'm okay, not so you're, starting you're, you're at least anywhere. benching him now. I'd rather start Kyle Hendricks. Okay. Are, are you the are you the type when you when you bench a guy like this, a, a stud uh, who you expected some big big numbers out of, uh, or at least. I talk to him about it. I, I sit him down and I go, listen, I, I know you're. Uh, <laughs> hey, man, we know you got a big contract. We we love you, respect you. We just got to sit you down for a few. Uh, but are you jumping back in after that first sign? Or or do you need, like, are you willing to put a c- couple good starts on the bench? Like, I know it's it's person to person. It, d- it depends yeah. on, it depends on, like. If if I'm prioritizing like watching starts, I'm definitely gonna be watching a Patrick Corbin start over. What like, do you need start. from him to feel confident? Because like I said, you can find reasons to not be confident in these last two starts that make sense to me. The four walks against Miami, he's kind of lucky that they didn't do anything with those. The three homers mm-hmm. against the Yankees, that's all they got. They were three solos, but he had two K's in six innings. So it's like they're still not huge comfort with those two outings what do you need to see from corbin to be like okay now i'm starting him in all all 10 of these leagues i got him and i'm not i'm not super panicked uh i want to see his command within zone like i want to see is he hitting his spots is his catcher's glove moving and i mean this is why i think often like as just baseball fans in general we tend to want to watch like, oh, you know, Garrett Cole or Hugh Darvish mm-hmm. are on the mound. That's the game I want to watch. And for me, it's it's often more important because I'm, you know, delving into fantasy analysis and my own fantasy teams that I need to watch the starts of the guys who are fringy and uh, and or and or oh, struggling. Yeah. Guys with expectations so, who, are, like, who are struggling. You got to check out and see what's going on. And so, yeah, I definitely want to watch uh, a little bit of his or a lot of his command i mean his command is is what it's going to be the velocity's fine uh and so it's hard man this is just one of those situations where i really had high hopes for a bounce mm-hmm. back with with corbin and it, it's been ugly and you know for those of you who who jumped off the ledge with me i i do I, i'm eating yeah. it with you that's what we that's always say sure. man, with, like, with, these, with these guys that we promote <laughs> We're drafting him too. I, I don't. The more I talk about a guy, the more you know. If, if Rakiti was struggling or whatever, I'd be, Montas is a guy that I could have put on this list with his five something ERA. I talk about him all the time, but you know, I'm right there with y'all. I, maybe that's no comfort to folks, but I do think it's worth pointing out that we don't promo guys super heavy and then not have them anywhere. Mm-hmm. So if they go astray, we're like, oh, that sucks for you guys. Sucks to suck. Um, you know, so guys like that, we're, we're super, we're super in on. And I'm, and it's not like we're playing in like three leagues where it's like, oh, okay, well, that one league is no, you destroyed. Have now we're ten. You have Corbin in ten. <laughs> I have, yeah, I, I have him in ten. He's my, uh, he's my third most rostered player, uh, tied with Brandon Nimmo behind Manny Marco and Cedric. Let Collins. me say another thing too about the about the cutting him thing. I understand it, and I'm not saying it's wrong, and I'm I'm not going to say this part to like you know, uh, fence it. This is the t- time when it's so hard to keep though. And, and we say like 29 innings is a small sample. So y- if you want, like in a way, I guess what I'm saying is like cutting is kind of the easy way out. It, it's the right decision and, too. And like just because I'm not yeah, going to do I'm it. I'm okay. Taking the <laughs> easy way mean. in like, again, tens and twelves. I'm, I'm really focused on 15 here. Cause I really think that's where the, the pressure point is with Corbin between cut, sit and start. And I think start is out of the question for both of us. We've, we've made that clear. So now you're between the, the, the sit and the cut. And again, extreme circumstances where you have like no bench, everything's messed up with injuries cut easily. Sure. Um, it's where, okay, you're pretty clean health-wise. Do you want to cut him there? If you stick to your guns, I get it. 
and I totally understand the inclination to do that, which you're saying you're doing. It, it, it's just one of those, I, again, I, I know I'm, I'm kind of going back and forth here because I totally understand doing the cut, but if you stick with them, this is one of those ones that could pay off huge still. And we're and we and we're in October saying, yo, remember when he was at a 736 ERA? If you take off those first six starts, then he had a, you know, 350 for his last 125 innings or whatever, you know, whatever the case may be. There is still going to be like 100, maybe 150 innings from him, assuming Patrick Corbin is healthy. That's a huge, yeah. huge, 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 huge sample. So, again... I think it's just like hitters who are hitting 150 right now. Like, you know, I mean, if you believe in the talent, I mean, guy like Kyle Tucker is hitting, I want to say like 190. Yeah. He'll be on Thursday's episode Uh, when we talk struggling hitters. Yeah. He's got a 289 X average like right now. Like it's, there's some of these guys that are going to be fine. I'm not saying Patrick Corbin will be for sure. Um, But I mean, I, there are going to be some of these guys that, you know, we're talking about today or that I talked about on the FWFB pod uh, last night that turn around and it's just like, oh, no, they, they you know, it was just yep. a bad month. Yep. That's the thing. We're still in that zone where things can be completely turned around. And let's use that to transition into our last guy here who um, is Kent Maeda, and he's off to a rough start. 502 ERA, 153 whip, 21 percent strikeout rate, 5 percent walk. 11.6 hits and also like similar to all these other guys hits and homers are through the roof. Uh, you mentioned, I, I mentioned the, the 21% strikeout rate that's down from 32 last year and well off of his 27% career mark, but the 13% swinging strike rate is right in line with his career. I look at my ADA and I've watched a, a few of his starts too. And Justin, I can't come up with a reason to be that concerned. I really think his feel is just a little bit off. And that's the bulk of this for me. I, I, I'm not, I would trade for him. I wouldn't even bench him at this point. And easier to say after the gem against Texas, but I'm on record. You can see a clip from my stream talking about him saying, I, before that start, that I don't have any concerns with Kenta Maeda. And that's where I come out with it. I think it's a little bit of feel for the slider and the splitter. Um, and not even that much, because like again, he's still getting a thirteen percent swinging strike rate. He needs to iron some things out. But this, to me, looks like a blip more than anything else. Yeah, and I mean, this is a guy. This is the guy that I was, you know, talking about when I had the thought. It's like, oh wait, nobody pitched in April mm-hmm. and May last year. I mean, it just it, nobody did. Uh, and I mean, you know, he's career four thirty guy in April. Um, and we also have to remember something that Dave McDonald uh, pointed out on that podcast was uh, he didn't even pitch in Minnesota in 2019. Like he was in warm weather. You mean you mean co- prior? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. He was pitching yep. in Los Angeles, you know. Prior, so I mean, he's never had to pitch really in cold weather in the majors. So uh, yeah, I think he's going to be fine. He's just missing his spots uh, a little bit. Um, and, you know, you go and check out, like, the heat maps and stuff like that. And you're like, oh, okay, this makes sense. He's just, I think he's going to be fine. Uh, the last start was better, but that was more about Texas <laughs> really taking some poor hey, at-bats if you go back and watch the start. I will start. say, though, like, uh, but they're not too bad of an offense. So that's actually not a bad team to to embarrass there to get to get back on track. They just strike they do, out again, so much. They, a lot of swing and miss there. It's not just Joey Gallo. It's all, it's all their impact guys have some swing and miss to their game. But I'll, I'll give them a little credit on that one. You know, you say, you say Texas played a role in that, and I totally agree. But you go up and down their lineup, and every one of their starters except two has a 114 or better uh, OPS plus. And the two that don't are David Dahl and Jose Trevino, one that you'd expect in the catcher, and then Dahl, who, you know, you still have some expectation for. So they've been playing, they've been playing all right. And he finally started to get some things going there and get those eight strikeouts against him. I, I really do still like my eight. I would, I would go trade for him. Um, I'd pick him up anywhere where he's cut, which I doubt is not very often because I really don't think many are freaking out about him. Uh, again, I don't think this is some unique take, but I think that, uh, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm just riding this out without any incident. In fact, 
uh, in DFS today, I, I think he's way underpriced against – I know the White Sox are tough, but I, I think he's way underpriced at 7,600. They're not as tough as they were exactly. a month ago. And 7,600, I'm in for that. That seems like way too easy to uh, to not take Maeda in, in DraftKings. So I'm, I'm fully in here. I'm going to say he ends the season under 350 ERA composite, not from here forward. Yeah, I, I tend okay. to agree with you. Well, we're going to end on that high note then uh, with Kenta Maeda. And uh, like I said, Thursday we'll talk struggling hitters, see where we're at with a bunch of guys like that. Marcelo Zuna, Francisco Lindor, Lourdes Gurriel Jr., Kyle Tucker, probably add a couple more between now and then. Justin, have a great day, and I'll talk to you in a couple. Take it easy.